Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to The Art of Being Well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I get to consult people around the world via webcam. And I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, and Ketotarian. And my upcoming book, Gut Feelings, is for pre-order right now. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, and there's lots of free resources there for you as well, you can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, we are giving away free signed books of your choice. All you have to do is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. And every month, no matter when you listen to this episode, my team and I will be going through the Apple Podcast reviews and randomly picking winners every month. You can do it two different ways. You can leave your Instagram handle on the Apple Podcast Review, or you can message me on over at Instagram, at Dr. Will Cole, and take a screenshot of your Apple Podcast Review, and we'll be randomly going through my messages on Instagram, as well as the Apple Podcast Review, and picking winners every month, reaching out to you personally, and then you can let me know what book you want me to sign, and I'll send it right to wherever you're at in the world. All right, good luck. Let's get to today's guest. I've known her for years. She's so freaking smart. Her name is Ashley Van Houten. Ashley is an author, speaker, podcast host, health coach, and leading authority on understanding the nutrient density of animal protein. She's the author of one of the only nose-to-tail organ meat-centric cookbooks in existence called It Takes Guts. Great title. She's also co-wrote another cookbook called Carnivore-ish. She is the host of the Muscle Maven radio podcast with millions of downloads where she's interviewed me. I've been on the podcast before and some of the other leading minds in exercise, nutrition, all things wellness. We're going to learn so much from Ashley today. Stay tuned to the entire conversation because at the end, I'll answer another one of your burning health questions that didn't ask me anything. All right. 
This is Ashley Van Houten's Art of Being Well. Ashley, welcome well, to the pod. The tables have turned. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready, but I'm going to try. <laughs> I've been on your amazing podcast at least two times, I yep, think. Yep. Yep. And this is going to be fun. I'm excited. Thank you for coming on. So we're going to geek out about so many different things. Let's kind of start with, I just maybe giving people, what is your ethos? What is your main, how did you get into wellness and what's your main passion within what we do? Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to condense it. You know, I'm a talker, so I'll try like really hard <laughs> and then we can just go in different rabbit holes that That's we feel like. Fun. But at the end of the day, what I'm most passionate about is helping women better understand their bodies and how to be healthy and strong and thrive in whatever way that means to them. And I think that that's sort of a, a unique direction just because, you know, my background is very much kind of like meathead. Like I did some bodybuilding and some CrossFit and I come from this ancestral health, paleo nutrition background. And I just spent so much of my time trying to learn about myself through very male dominated and male oriented uh, information and resources. And while I was able to gain a lot of information through that, I just felt like there needed to be a bit more attention paid directly to how women's bodies work and react to different things. And also mm -hmm. attention to the unique kind of cultural place that women are in, in fitness and nutrition, right? Because we mm -hmm. are kind of told different things. A lot of times we're sold different things. We live in a different cultural place in what fitness and strength and health looks like. And then of course, sort of parallel to that, my, my jam is kind of organ meats and <laughs> eating and protein, you know, and like the, the importance of, um, protein for women and strength building. So I've created some programs around that. I've written a couple cookbooks around it, but that's kind of the, the general gist. I love it. So let's go on sort of the carnivore-ish spectrum. You have a book called Carnivore-ish, which is a mm. brilliant name. Thanks. And I have been very open on podcasts, on this podcast, but me as guest as well, as the fact that I use a carnivore, well-formulated, everything, we're speaking the same language, a well-formulated, nutrient-dense, carnivore-ish protocol for patients who need it. And mm. we that is the art of what I do. That's the art of what you teach about as well as bio-individuality of finding out what your body loves. The point being is there's the umbrella of wellness is big and I want to meet the person's body where it's at and use things therapeutically, i.e. healing the gut or dealing with food reactions, but also what they prefer. Mm -hmm. And if they hate what they're doing, that's going to create a completely different result than if they really love it. Mm -hmm. And that's the art of being well. It's what this podcast is all about. Yeah. So let's explore this different facet of wellness and talk about maybe just describing what the carnivore diet is. There's going to be a lot of people that are listening to this right now that obviously by its very name are going to get understand more or less what it is, but why would people do it? And what exactly does maybe a day in the life look like? That's a big mm -hmm. question, but I know you can handle it. <laughs> yeah, I'll try again, I'll try my best. And I appreciate you you having this conversation because I do feel like we talked about this on my podcast that the online world in which so many of us operate where we're trying to communicate can be so 
divisive and black and white, and it has to be either this or this, and you have to pick a camp. And I think one of the things that I appreciate so much about you and that I'm trying to do is what you said, is sort of meeting people where they are, understanding that there is no one perfect diet. Anybody who comes to you and tells you carnivore is the right diet for everyone or Mm -hmm. vegan is the right diet for everyone, it's not true because we're so different in so many ways. I'm just trying to offer an option for people who are looking for something different, maybe because other things haven't worked. And so carnivore-ish is mine and my co-author, Beth Lipton. It's our kind of approach that is sort of a step back from carnivore because a lot of people who have heard of it have probably seen online folks who are just eating like two pounds ground beef every day. That's an option. That's a direction you could take. I don't think it's sustainable or optimal for most people. But at the end of the day, these kind of more extreme approaches tend to get more attention, right? So carnivore-ish for us is really just the idea of looking at a well-rounded whole foods diet that is centered around animal protein specifically. Mm -hmm. Because we believe that for the vast majority of people, animal protein is a really bioavailable, really nutrient-dense food that provides a lot of the things that our body needs. And then you can kind of pick and choose these whole foods, carbs, and fat sources that work for you around that. So while, again, historically, maybe a lot of women are directed towards this maybe plant-based or maybe lower protein approach that is like, have this delicious, beautiful salad and maybe sprinkle like an egg on top or something. Maybe some hemp seeds. There you go. We're looking at like, (laughs) have a big old piece of steak and put some salad next to it, you know? But even within that, there is such a variety. Like my carnivore-ish plate is gonna look different even than my co-authors and is gonna look different than my husband who eats a lot more vegetables than I do, frankly, and it works for him. So it's really, it's not a revolutionary approach. I just feel like these days we're, again, we're kind of really looking at things as very extreme. We're really trying to just show that there is this happy medium in the middle, but it takes a little bit of experimentation and work to figure out what that ideal plate looks like for you. Yeah, so what is your view? Well. Maybe the second part of my question, I threw a lot at you. We'll start there. Like, what is a typical day for carnivore? Let's just do a specific mm-hmm. carnivore protocol. If somebody has a strict carnivore, they're not carnivore-ish, what what does a typical day for the curious mind out mm-hmm. there that's like, what would you actually eat? Yeah. What would that look like? Well, again, even for strict carnivore, I feel like I have a different approach than maybe some of the folks you see right. online because- I don't think it needs to be all red meat. I don't think it needs to be raw liver first thing in the morning. I think that even with a quite strict carnivore protocol, which I would generally recommend as a very temporary tool or a reset, there may be a small portion of people who really can't digest or benefit from uh, plants and fruits and vegetables. I think the vast majority of us would use the carnivore reset as a reset, like I said. Mm-hmm. But it would look maybe something like for breakfast, you can have like eggs, of course. Maybe people really strict, maybe wouldn't have coffee or anything, but maybe you can have some coffee with like heavy cream. And then it's just pick your meat source, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of people, when I do a reset, which usually would not take any longer than three to five days, I'm eating seafood, I'm eating shellfish, I'm eating all manner of poultry. Game meats are a really, really good option. Again, if you're trying to minimize how much red meat or beef you're eating, organ meats, of course, because for those out there who recognize that animal protein is good, but maybe for whatever reason, you are trying to eat less of it. Organ meats are a great option because they are so nutrient dense that you can eat much less of it to get sort of the same 
bang for your buck as you would eating like muscle meat, for example. So I don't know, maybe you're eating a couple chicken thighs mm. for lunch and then you're eating a big steak for dinner. And oftentimes this works for folks because they're just automatically going to eat fewer calories. It's protein, as you know, it's like super satiating, especially if you're eating higher fat versions, you know, you're just not going to overeat a bowl of chicken or beef the way you would other foods, right? And I like it as a reset in many cases more than a strict fast or something like that because you are still supporting your body's processes. You're minimizing, obviously, carbs, sugar, any of the things that could be inflammatory, that could be giving you cravings, things like that, but you're still getting calories, you're still getting vitamins and minerals and amino acids and things that are gonna support your function while you are trying to do this kind of temporary elimination protocol. No, that's I, I exactly how I use it clinically for patients is exactly what you said. It's a reset. It's sort of an ultimate elimination diet. Like you said, it's removing a lot of these variables that are even quote unquote healthy foods. But because of this hypervigilant immune system that a lot of people are dealing with, they're reacting to the most benign healthy yeah. quote unquote food, mm -hmm. like that salad, that epitomization of the healthy food that you're talking about. People are getting bloated and pain because of salads. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at this, at the plant kingdom as something to consider, even though it's healthy and it's a whole food and mate, your body is reacting to it. It's not the food's fault as much as your immune system's overreaction to it. So right. I love the reset tool that you talk about within your work mm -hmm. and in the books to calm things down and then become carnivore-ish and work on this spectrum, which I think is beautiful. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the bioavailability. Well, let's talk about, I guess, essential amino acids is where I would really like to go because I think especially with women, but men, men too, really anybody, they are, there's a lot of misinformation out there as far as proteins and then the protein and the gram of proteins put on labels a lot when people are mm. buying things and not all proteins are equal. So can sure. you really educate the people about what what proteins we actually need as humans, and you're not going to get it in all these plant-based sources. Yeah. I mean, frankly, I think you would probably explain this a lot more articulately than I would. But, And I think one of the issues is that the facts about proteins and what we need and what we don't need, like it's all out there and it's widely available. It's the fact that we take our food choices very personally. And when we're mm. told this isn't as good a choice as this, that can make people very defensive. It can make people upset. And because there's so much sort of morality and lifestyle, you know, intertwined in the way we eat, that's why I, I try to be very, I don't know, just try to be open and accessible to people and not say like what you're doing is wrong or bad or stupid. I think there's way too much of that out there. And frankly, that <laughs> never changes anyone's mind. Have you no. ever had someone come to you and say, look, what you're doing is stupid. You're stupid for doing it. Do this instead. Like that doesn't never no. change people's minds. Truth. But I mean, the reality is that I think there are a few plant sources. I think maybe quinoa is one of them that mm -hmm. has all of the essential amino acids. Those are amino acids that we cannot produce in our own bodies. We have to take in through food. There are a few plants that offer those essential amino acids. And oftentimes vegans might combine different like legumes and plants and things like that to, to create this essential amino acid 
portfolio that we need to take in. It's just so much more alchemy. It's so much more work to do it on a strictly plant-based diet. And then there's just the reality that, again, like if we're looking at, I always go back to organ meats because that's sort of, again, my niche. I know a lot of people are like, don't even, I'm not, don't even get me started on that. I can, I can, (laughs) we're going to get there. I can eat, but like liver, whatever. (laughs) But you know, if we're talking three ounces of liver has more than your daily recommended intake of all the essential amino acids, vitamin B12, B6, vitamin A, you know, selenium, phosphorus, all of these things that our body requires that we don't even think about on a daily basis until they're missing and our bodies start misfiring versus four cups, three cups of quinoa. Again, we're not talking about a judgment value. We're talking about practicality. A lot of these foods, these plant-based foods, you have to eat so much of it that it's not practical. And then we're talking about calorie issues. If people are looking at trying to manage that. Then we're talking about digestive things because again, most people can digest animal protein quite well. Not everybody, most people can versus, you know, eating large amounts of beans and legumes and plants that can be problematic for people in larger amounts. So yeah. And I mean, you know, we could talk about like the collagen thing and how that's only a certain amount of amino acids that that's not a complete protein either. A lot of people like mistake that for a complete protein and they're doing like collagen smoothies and saying they're Mm -hmm. getting enough protein. I think at the end of the day, again, the only thing that people really need to know is that there are amino acids. I think there's nine essential ones that we need to take in from food. The best way to get that is from animal protein sources and most animal protein has all of them. So if you're trying to focus the majority of your meals around a nice, healthy serving of fish or chicken or beef or game meats or seafood. And then you can add other protein sources as per your desire. If you want to add some beans or some quinoa or some other kind of things, you're going to get it that way. But we don't have to be so nitpicky if we're Mm -hmm. eating a varied diet that contains animal protein. Whereas if you're trying to do this in a healthy way, strictly vegan, for example, it's just going to take Mm -hmm. so much more work, most likely supplementation. And yeah, it's just a, a tougher road, I think. Yeah. Well said. I love my Cozy Earth bed sheets. Have you heard about Cozy Earth? They develop and craft high quality goods with responsibly and sustainably sourced materials from the earth so that you can get the restorative sleep you need to curate your sanctuary and recharge from the comfort of your home. Cozy Earth is without a doubt, it's softer than cotton and it's made from this super soft and sustainable viscous from bamboo fabrics. Cozy Earth is temperature regulating, which means it will keep you cool and comfortable all night long. Cozy Earth has been featured on Oprah's favorites list for four years in a row. Oprah loves Cozy Earth too. They have a 10-year warranty on all their products, and they have what they call a 100-night sleep test. That means you can try it for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, you can send it back for a full refund. But honestly, You're going to love these. They come in five different colors, white, light gray, driftwood, charcoal, and oat. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for the Art of Being Well listeners right now. 35% off site-wide when you go to CozyEarth.com and use the code WillCole. Again, that's CozyEarth.com. Use code WillCole at checkout to get 35% off site-wide at CozyEarth.com. 35% off site-wide when you go to CozyEarth.com and use the code WillCole. 
you all know that my day job, my passion, my heart, it's getting to run my functional medicine telehealth center. I've done it for 12 years. I freaking love being a part of people's health journey. And I'm also the medical director for Chroma. Have you heard about Chroma? Chroma is freaking amazing. I only do things as far as work is concerned. I only do things that I'm passionate about, that I recommend to patients, that I use myself or both. There is so much out there when it comes to cleanses and detoxes. It can be confusing on what actually is right. What I really love about what Chroma is doing is that they really are turning the whole concept of detoxing and cleansing on its head and reframing it, having a paradigm shift. And I've been honored to be a part of the conversation that I think is really important in this space of quote unquote cleanses. The Chroma reset is the antithesis of a cleanse. It's really about nourishment. It's about increasing nutrient density, nourishing delicious, decadent foods in your life to level up your health. So I worked with Chroma to develop state-of-the-art Chroma Reset. It's a three or five-day reset that really integrates healthy, nourishing things into your life. I personally am obsessed with their beauty matcha, with collagen, turmeric, ginger, and mushrooms, as well as their super porridge. It's so convenient, made with delicious nuts and seeds. It's a perfect way to start your day and ignite your metabolism. And Chroma is really about bio-individuality. I mean, I'm behind it in functional medicine. And you know that I'm an advocate for finding out what your body loves and what your body doesn't love. And what Chroma gives us is an ability to customize as you need. Chroma is the anti-cleanse replacing deprivation with satisfaction. For the Art of Being Well listeners, and only for a limited time, go to chromawellness.com, use code willcold 20 at checkout for 20% off your first Chroma five-day reset purchase. They never have offered this big of a discount on their reset, so definitely take advantage of the special deal. Offer ends November 1st, 2022, so it's really soon. You have to get it on it right now. That's chromawellness.com. Use code willcool 20 at checkout for 20% off your first Chroma five-day reset right now. Let's touch on the collagen conversation because I can yeah. hear my thousands and thousands of people listening to this yeah. right now. Like, all oh, right, like, what what are we talking about? So, what are we doing wrong if someone's just saying, "Hey, that's my protein, and, I, and I'm just getting my collagen in"? Yeah, and I mean, different collagen. I think companies or sources might have different. Um, you know, there's like type one to type three collagen, and there's some that contain more leucine or more. You know, all these things. But again, mm-hmm. most collagen that people are purchasing has a few types of essential amino acids that focus Mm -hmm. their job is to improve things like your tissues. So like your skin, your hair, your nails, your digestive tract. A lot of people who have kind of some minor like gut irritability issues, if they're taking collagen regularly, that can improve. But it's not, again, the nine essential amino acids. It's not the same as eating animal protein, for example, or even like a really good quality like whey or egg protein powder or something like that. So I always talk about collagen as a supplement that can address specific issues. It's not a protein source. You shouldn't necessarily use it as a protein source. It's more of a really, and I mean, you know this, it started out as like a beauty supplement, right? Because when you're taking it internally, along with other healthy lifestyle factors, it can improve the quality of your skin and make your digestion better, which is also going to help your skin and your hair and nails. So that's always how I've looked at it. I'm like, hey, do I want, you know, pretty 
nails and I want my skin to glow, I'll take <laughs> collagen. This isn't going to like help beef up my muscles or anything, you know? Yeah. I hundred percent agree. I, it's like, it is a supplement. It's something to bring in your life, but what you're really talking about and what you're really educating us on is nutrient density yeah. and making sure you're getting well-rounded nutrients throughout the day, not depending on one thing. Cause it's not going to have everything, mm-hmm. but if you had to pick, and I'm thinking, talking about nutrient density, good segue here is what we, what the world calls awful. And I mm-hmm. admit many people are going to think it's a bit, a very apt yeah. term. Yeah. O-F-F-A-L. What's the deal with organ meats? Why should we be having more of this? Yeah, I know it's a tough sell. Like when I wrote this book, <laughs> I wrote this book at the beginning of the pandemic. It's called It Takes Guts. It's a cookbook all about organ meats. And it explains a lot of the background, the cultural context, the health benefits, how to prep every type of organ, all of that. But I'm really not, again, I'm not trying to convince a vegan to go eat liver. That's a really, that's a far reach, I think. I'm really speaking to the vast majority of people who do eat animal protein and are looking to do so in a way that is as nutritious, as sustainable and ethical as possible. And throughout history, throughout every, nearly every culture, everyone has made use of the entire animal. We don't pick a choice cut here and throw away the rest. It's really only recently that we have the, and I'm using air quotes here, like privilege to waste parts of an animal and just take the pieces that we like. And there's a lot of reasons why organ meats have fallen out of favor, but at the end of the day, they are the most nutrient parts of an already nutrient dense option. So as we've said, muscle meat, your steak, your chicken, all of these things, very nutrient dense. The organ meats just happen to have more nutrient density. So all of the good things that we're hoping to get out of our steak or ground turkey or whatever, the essential amino acids, the vitamins, the minerals, all of these things that help our bodies work are just in much more concentrated doses in nearly every organ. And I'm talking mostly about things like liver, heart, tongue, gizzards, kidneys, all of those things. I have some options that I think are more realistic for most people to try. It's such that they're so nutrient dense and so bioavailable that you can have a couple ounces a week and you're getting the nutrient density that you would maybe from more ounces daily of another option, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're looking to eat less meat, if you're looking to really kind of improve the sustainability and ethics of eating an animal, you want to eat the whole animal. You want to make use of every part of it that you can. If you're looking to save money, which is increasingly, I think, an issue, a lot of organ meats tend to be very cost-effective simply because they aren't in high demand. So you're getting way more nutrition for your dollar. And I also like to make the argument that On one hand, not everything you eat should taste like chocolate cake. I think we need to recognize that like health foods are going to taste healthy and we can't have everything be delicious all the time. However, I think, I believe, because I wrote a whole cookbook about it, that there are ways you can prepare these these cuts that are delicious. You don't have to force it. You don't have to choke it down. You can actually enjoy it. And I think a ton of cultures around the world would back me up on this. You know, they're eating all parts of the animal all the time and enjoying it. So I think it can be a healthful and also actually pleasurable addition to your diet if you're willing to kind of play around and, and open your mind a little bit. I love it. You brought up really good points from an ancestral 
primal side of things, sort of honoring the, what our ancestors, which our human genome hasn't really changed in 10,000 years. So it's eating more in alignment on that level. Mm-hmm. It is way more respectful of the earth and where our food comes from instead of being so flippant and wasteful with food. And from an economic side of things too. I mean, it's, it's great, great points. And of course, the health side, the nutrient density of it. So let's talk, you give us recipes within your books. You teach us how to really have a new perspective on this. And I honestly, I have patients, I've seen this, I've seen lots of vegans scoff at me and then really we teach them ways to do it. So I've seen the most skeptical of people really implement this in their life and have a new appreciation. Like you said, you don't have to have lots of it throughout the week. Right. If you're, you still can be predominantly plant-based and still mm-hmm. have these things because they are so nutrient packed. So yep. what's your favorite way to bring organ meats in like recipe idea wise? I have so many options, but I think realistically, I think the best way to do it for people who are open-minded, but like nervous is just hiding it, you know? It's like the age-old parent thing. You hide the vegetables under some cheese or in a casserole or something. (laughs) You do the same thing with organ meats. You can mix it into the foods you're already eating in such a way that you barely notice it, you barely taste it, and you're getting a nutrient-boosted food. So the easiest way to do it is if you do eat things like ground meat, for example, I mean, who doesn't like some meatballs or burgers or breakfast sausage or what have you, right? You can mix a small portion. Usually I say like a four to one ratio of like ground beef, ground turkey, whatever, with ground organ meats. And you can choose a mix. You can just choose heart maybe because heart is a, a muscle meat. So it's texturally less challenging than some other organs, but you mix it like four to one and then you go ahead and make whatever food you were already going to make anyway. It's got more nutrients and you're not really tasting or noticing anything that would make you nervous. So I would say that's like my first option. And another piece of advice that I give a lot of people is go to a restaurant and have a professional make you something with organ meats so that you can, you're not as intimidated. You don't have to go buy it, source it, make it yourself first. And you can see how it, how pleasurable and how delicious it actually can be. And you will also notice when you actually start paying attention to like menus and in the grocery store, you will see a lot more of this than you think. Like a lot of people are like, well, how could I ever source this stuff? But you know, there's there's sweetbreads in French restaurants. There is tongue taco, tongue tacos at Mexican restaurants. Any good Mexican taco place is gonna have a tongue taco and they're delicious. You can have bone marrow. That's a fancy appetizer in a lot of places. So like look around Asian restaurants, you can get like tripe and things like that. So I would say, yeah, just experiment and just kind of, again, have an open mind with it. I like to say about organ meats that like, and with my book, you know, you're probably not going to like every recipe, but I guarantee you will like at least one or two, like you'll find something, you know, Mm -hmm. I even, this isn't popular for the organ meat lady to say, but like, I'm not a huge fan of kidneys. I have a couple kidney recipes in here. I don't really love it, but I wanted to try and I wanted to experiment and I learned something. I don't have to eat kidneys. I can eat, there's a whole range of other cuts that I can try, but for Mm -hmm. everybody who doesn't, there's somebody out there who's like, I love this recipe. It was so cool. And my local farmer can give me kidneys and they're super cheap, you know? So just having an open mind and being willing to try because Mm -hmm. the worst thing that could happen 
happen is that you try a new thing and you don't like it and you're right back where you started. But if you yeah. try something and you do enjoy it, you try some chicken liver mousse and you have that on your crackers once a week and you have this nutrient dense source that you didn't have before, it kind of opens your experience up, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, just be willing to give it a shot. I love it. It is staggering to me how many people have trouble with falling asleep, staying asleep, or they may not even know that their sleep is not optimized, but they wake up feeling exhausted. They don't have sustainable energy throughout the day and they feel like they're sleeping well. But when you look, and I track this for patients, when you look at their REM sleep and their deep sleep, their actual quality of restorative sleep is really low on metrics. And that's something that we have to optimize. A game-changing tool that you can integrate into your life to support an optimal sleep is from MD Bio. MD Bio was created by four award-winning physicians who spent over three years developing their products for sleep, anxiety, pain, and immunity. They ran observational trials on their own patients and are now undergoing double-blind clinical trials to confirm the amazing results. You can trust a brand that's recommended by doctors and backed by science. So try MD Bio today. They are so confident in their products. They are giving the Art of Being Well listeners a free starter pack. Right now, you can get any 10-count sample of products for completely free. But only when you go to mdbiowellness.com and enter promo code WILLCOLE. Remember, for your free starter pack, you have to go to mdbiowellness.com and use promo code WillCole. That's mdbiowellness.com. Use promo code WillCole to check these out to support, again, your sleep, anxiety. If you're struggling with any anxiety issues, pain, immunity, they have clinically proven tools to support all of these areas. People age at different speeds, and the date on your license may not represent your inner biological age at all. If you're looking for ways to extend your health span and slow down the aging process, the keys to health and longevity run in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to improve your metabolism, reduce stress, improve your sleep, and optimize your health for the long haul. Inside Tracker was created by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics. Inside Tracker analyzes your blood. DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise for your body, right nutrition and foods to focus on for your body, and the right supplementation for your body. It's bio-individuality at its best. I love that. As a functional medicine doctor, it's really the ethos of what I do with my patients. What I also love about Inside Tracker is something that they call Inner Age 2.0. You have to check this out. Add Inner Age 2.0 to any plan for a definitive calculation of your true biological age. You can actually see, based on data, how you're aging from the inside out. For a limited time, get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. All you have to do is go on over to insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well. That's insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well, or you can use code WillCole at checkout to get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store.
we're talking about nutrient density, just to highlight some of these things for people like true vitamin A, retinol, if people are like see so much about skincare and retinol, like we're talking about one of, if not the highest source of retinol for your skin from the inside out, which is truly healing to the skin. I see so many people that are struggling with iron deficiency anemia and you have, I mean, maybe could you highlight some of the key, like what are we getting out of this yeah. for, for our health? Yeah, I mean, you kind of just said two of the biggest ones, but I mean, yeah. B12, like liver and heart specifically, super high in B12, B6. There's, I think it's selenium. That's a really good, yeah. it's good for like kidney function, things like that. Iron is a huge one, especially for women. And especially because even women who eat meat, we're still being told, limit your red meat. Red meat is kind of bad. Like it's a treat. You should have it every once in a while. We are, most of us cycling women who are losing iron. We need magnesium as well. And a lot of times we don't think about, we just think like, okay, okay let's supplement, right? But a lot of mm -hmm. these things, as you know, better than I do, that they need to be taken kind of in tandem with each other, mm -hmm. right? Like you can't just sort of maybe take a vitamin A supplement and it's going to help. Like you got to kind of have this whole cofactors, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I would say generally it's iron, vitamin D, vitamin B12, and then magnesium again is a huge one. That's probably, I think it's worldwide, the most common yeah. deficiency that people have, vitamin D, literally it's everything. I mean, you name it. Like if you have a, if you have a vitamin and mineral deficiency, you're probably going to get it from eating a little bit more liver, but the protein one is a huge one too. And that's why, mm -hmm. you know, carnivorous was my second book, because if you're like, don't even go there with the organ meats, I'm like, oh, that's fine. That's a hill I'll die on another day. But <laughs> women, especially, we really do have a, a hard time. It, what I see in my coaching practice and anecdotally just being a woman in the world and in the fitness and wellness industry, it's way more common that women are under eating, that they're specifically under eating protein. And mm -hmm. it's, it has a whole host of issues from kind of hormonal dysfunction to just simply like body composition issues. They're trying to build muscle. They want to have energy. They want to have like optimal reproductive health, all of these things. And at the same time, we're telling them that you should get your protein from putting peanut butter on toast. And we're wondering why women are having an issue, right? So that's again, like, I, you know, I can be nitpicky and tell people eat three ounces of liver a day, but mostly I just want women to be okay with the idea of eating protein that really truly nourishes them and mm -hmm. being okay with that feeling of nourishment and getting hearty, healthy food into their body. I think we're so used to its progress if we're kind of hungry and we kind of don't feel like we're, like we're nourished at any point, that must right. be progress. That's, you know, we're getting smaller, we're getting toned, we're losing weight. It's like a nice, hearty, nourishing meal that's actually going to help you sleep and help you work out and help you function. It's so important that I just want more women to, to embrace it. Oh yeah, it's so true. I mean, there's so many people that are, they are quote unquote, they're just in this perpetual hypocaloric, hypo nutrition state and it, it, they're really paying a price for it and how they feel. Mm -hmm. What do you say to the people that are, and I get this question from some people, especially the more plant-based people as patients, they'll say, well, isn't the or liver specifically, isn't that where the, all the toxins are stored? Like, why would we want to eat that? Yeah. What do you say to that that question? I love it because that is a very common question. So basically the liver, it's kind of a misconception that the liver is where any animal, including ourselves, holds our toxins. The liver is a really incredible organ that methylates or sort of detoxifies the body by processing toxins and then allows them to kind of 
either through liver, through the kidneys, like process them out through things like urine, things like sweat, stuff like that. So instead of thinking of the liver as like a sponge that's like sponging up the toxins and holding them there, it's more of a filter that allows the toxins to kind of pass through the body and the kidneys the same way. So if you're really worried about eating an animal's kind of, if, if you're worried about toxic load coming from animal protein, where we store our toxins, and this is true with humans as well, is in our fat cells. So if you're worried about sort of the origins and the health of an animal, you kind of probably want to avoid all those delicious fatty cuts of meat, like a ribeye or something like that. But we're always advocating for eating the healthiest, most well-sourced, mm -hmm. ideally local animal products that you possibly can. And in that case, if you're eating something that is local and well-raised and fresh, and you know about where it came from and all of those things, inherently the, the health of the organs are going to be the same as the muscle meat. So if you're okay mm -hmm. with eating the muscle meat, you're generally going to be okay with eating the, the organs. So yeah, I mean, that's it. You want to avoid the fattier cuts if you're worried about toxic mm -hmm. load, but yeah, the organs are, it's such a misconception that, that they're kind of holding those toxins because that's not the case. Yeah, not the case at all. Do you have a specific range? I know there's a lot of variables and maybe we can talk about the variables. How much protein should people be getting in a day, specifically women? But maybe let's talk about both men and women. Like, what is there a range that people should start be looking at on? Obviously, we're going to learn about the quality of protein from today's conversation. With that aside, is there a gram range that you like to see? Yeah, I see a lot of people that I respect and that work in sort of clinical practice have numbers that range from sort of one to 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight is generally a, a good place to start. I simplify it even more that I say like generally, maybe you start with just under a gram or a gram per pound of body weight. And that again is going to vary a lot if you are looking to lose a lot of weight. Maybe you start with like lean body mass. So for example, if I'm not looking to build muscle, I'm looking to maintain, you know, just be healthy. And I'm 130 pounds, say like, I may not get 130 grams of protein every day. I might get more like 110. Maybe that's my lean body mass. So like the fat taken out of it. It's just my mass, my skin and bones and muscle. It's a good place to start. And I don't think, again, we need to obsess over, okay, if I'm not getting 130 grams, I'm going to lose all my gains and I'm not going to be healthy. I think we, we create these numbers as a starting point. So if you're somebody who's, again, just looking to support your health, maybe gain some muscle, you're not competing for anything. You're not trying to lose 50 pounds. You're just trying to eat enough to support your lifestyle. Around a gram per pound of body weight you know, flexible is a good starting point. And then you kind of do that for a little while and see, is this like so much protein? Maybe you're a big dude and 250 grams of protein is like maybe tough to do. Okay. That's all right. Maybe you're down near 200 grams. Maybe some days it's higher. The days that you have hard workouts, you're eating more protein and carbs. And then other days you can kind of like skip a meal and it's okay. It's more about the cumulative like consistent behaviors, right? You don't want to, most people, I don't think, should be eating the RDA protein, like women eating 40 grams of protein a day consistently. That's not sustainable for a thriving, healthy body. That's like to barely keep you alive. We don't want to barely be alive. We want to yeah. be really alive. Right? Yeah. So again, if I eat 80 grams of protein one day, I'm not going to perish. And if I eat 200 grams someday, 
also fine. It's about thinking about having that protein source most for most meals. And when you're hungry, like I tell a lot of women who are having issues with eating enough, with cravings, all of those things, think about protein first. That's all. You don't even have to obsess over, oh, is this six ounces or five or four? Just think, am I hungry? Do I want a snack? Maybe instead of going for the carb source that's quick and delicious and immediately satisfying, I will go for the leftover chicken or the protein shake or scramble up some eggs or have some healthy beef jerky or something because it's satisfying. It's going to support your body's processes and muscle maintenance and growth. And it's going to help with cravings. It's going to help with all of these things. So anyway, that was a long rant, but I think again, it's less about kind of perfecting the numbers and just sort of having a starting point, seeing what's sustainable for you and just trying to be consistent. Love it. It's such great advice. Our next partner has a product I've loved for years. It's Athletic Greens. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, get this, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, supports your nervous system, your immune system, your energy levels throughout the day, recovery, focus, aging, all the things. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar with no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting really good. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated regimen, and he wanted something super simple that he could do every single day, and then he passed it on to all of us. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. All you have to do is put one scoop in a cup of water every day, that's all. To make it really easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. Man, I see low vitamin D pretty much on any new patient's labs. It's needed for our energy levels. It's needed to support a healthy immune system. It acts like a pro-hormone. So it's really important for so many different things in the body. They're gonna give you, give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D as well as five free travel packs of Athletic Greens with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Cole. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Cole to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, my friend, as you know, that the podcast is called The Art of Being Well. At the end of every episode, we have your art of being well. Actually, now that I think about it, I, I, we had this debate at the patient team meeting this morning. <laughs> we, I've known you for all of these years and we had this debate on the right way to say your last name. Is it Van Houten? Yes, it is. That's how I said it. I'm going to let it. Andrea know that I was freaking right. <laughs> you were right. They were like, I think it's Van Houten. And that, that you, there's this whole, like you have this the fangirls <laughs> of the clinic here that I was absolutely right. They made me second guess myself. I appreciate that. It's a tough one, but you always look at O-U-T spells out, right? That's right. Van Houten. This it. is Ashley Van Houten's Art of Being Well. Are you up for this? I hope so. <laughs> you, I know you're going <laughs> to you're gonna thrive. Talk about RDAs and thriving. There you but, go. What is the worst tasting healthy food? We talked a little bit of maybe it's kidneys for you, but I'm curious to know what is the worst tasting healthy food that you still eat because it's so freaking healthy for you? 
the worst tasting food that you actually eat. That yes, is that the you thing. will still you will still grin, grit and bear it. You you will still push through and do it for the sake of the team, and the team is your body. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Okay, I'm gonna say an animal based and a plant based one, so I'm hitting both sides of the I love fence. That. All okay, right. I would say definitely kidney, like straight up. That's a strong tasting meat, and you gotta really commit yourself if you want to eat it. It is incredibly nutrient dense and I will still make it. Not my favorite. I kind of got it. It's like homework. Kidney. On the plant-based side, look, straight up broccoli. Who like, come on, who eats broccoli and is like, yes, guys. Yes. Maybe you put some like Parmesan on that thing. Yes, you yeah, fry right. it or something, but yeah. like steamed broccoli. I was thinking fried. Yeah. No. no, thank you. No, thank no. you. No. Steamed broccoli for sure. Ugh. Not, not, not the best. No. What's the worst tasting healthy food that you won't eat? Like you're just like, no, this I could throw up if I had this thing. That's a really good question. And honestly, I, I think I might disappoint you. Like I am like a prime candidate for like fear factor if it ever comes back on. Like I will eat anything. There is, I'm not, a, to my knowledge, I'm not allergic to anything. I will straight up eat anything. I don't think there's anything you could put in front of me that if you said like, you know, you're hosting me and I don't want to be rude, whatever. Like there is nothing that I'll be like, nope, not eating it. I will. That's. I'll eat anything. Hey, that's hey. some grit there. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Fear, fear factor. What's didn't Joe Rogan <laughs> yes. host that? It's embarrassing that I used to watch the show, but it was yeah. like, and like you look back and you think of some of the things that people allowed to put on TV, like it was really shocking. But all I remember about that show is watching it. And when they had weird foods, looking back now, a lot of those foods were different cultures, foods that are very normal in most parts of the world that yeah. we as Americans were like, Ugh, never again. And I right. remember watching it and being like, bug? I can eat a bug. Like, what's the deal here? Like, I don't get it. So yeah. there you go. That's so true. It was different culturally, completely normal foods for different cultures, but the producers were probably like, what's the weird so thing weird. Americans won't eat? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What's in your life, what's been the two biggest game-changing supplements, if there have been mm. for you, that, that made the biggest difference for you personally? Mm, that's a good that's a very good question. I would say, and again, very, very bio-individual, but things that I kind of always recommend for people if they're experiencing specific symptoms, going back to the collagen, honestly, I don't use it as a protein source, but I do supplement with it daily. If I'm baking something, throw some collagen in. If I'm making a protein shake, throw some collagen in. I do believe that it has had a positive impact on my digestion, on the quality of my skin. And again, it's not its not necessarily life-changing, but I think for all of us who are trying to look our best, who are trying mm -hmm. to feel our best, or trying to do that in a way that's natural, you know, collagen has been actually, I think, a very valuable resource for me. Another thing that I would say, and I don't need to throw out a specific brand, but um, a good quality probiotic has been very beneficial for me. I understand that gut health is incredibly complex and in many cases, simply throwing a digestive enzyme or a probiotic on top of an issue isn't going to fix it. But in my experience, because fortunately I am generally pretty sorted out that way, when I do have periods of really high stress or travel or other issues, having a really good quality probiotic and a digestive enzyme in the context of the rest of my life has been very beneficial. Love it. Yeah. What is an overrated, if there is one, what is an overrated supplement that may be good, there's nothing inherently wrong with it, may maybe just overstated supplement in your opinion? Hmm. I mean, 
That's a good question. I don't know. I I kind of feel like any kind of multivitamin. Again, I'm not a doctor. Like, don't take my advice alone. But you are an expert, and you are you just know so much in the health world. So I think I, I want to hear your answer. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have found in our industry that a lot of people really like to supplement or hack their way to health, and a, and it's a very natural human reaction to try to get to an answer quicker and easier. And so if someone tells you this nootropic, there it is, nootropics, nootropics. Okay. If you need a nootropic to get through the day, you may just need organ meat. Go to sleep. (laughs) Go to sleep and have some organ meat. Eat some real food. And like, actually I could go down a whole rabbit hole. I won't, I'll try to shut up. But pre-workout is another one. Cause I, again, I come from like the bodybuilding fitness background and people are like, what's a good quality pre-workout? What's whatever. I'm like, drink a coffee. And if that's not enough for you, sort your lifestyle out. Like if you cannot get through a workout, I hope this doesn't upset some people, but if you can't get through a workout without a pre-workout like stimulant, that is your body telling you something that you're either not fueling properly. You're not recovering and sleeping properly. I have never taken a pre-workout. I mean, I dabbled with the things and they made me antsy. And I realized like, this is not the best way to optimize my health and performance. I need to do the foundational things first. But again, we're always going to be tempted by the nootropic, by this supplement that's just going to sort everything out. And some of these things can have positive benefits after and above doing all of the hard work that we have to do first, yeah. sorting out our sleep and our stress and our food and all those things. I, I love that. I, I never even thought about it. Pre-workout's not even in my lexicon, but you're right. right. It's a thing and it's very much a big segment of the workout industry, is it? Supplement-wise. Yep. Absolutely, yep. And that's what, I've not even looked at labels because they're so far removed from my mind, but is that what they are? They're just meant to stimulate could it get you absolutely it's i mean it's like workout. it's like a i don't know a red bull or something it's like right. a red bull it's like if you're drinking something that makes your scalp itch like <laughs> i don't know maybe <laughs> rethink it like it's just and they're also super expensive like people spend a lot of money on like bcaa's right branched chain amino acids which again are things that you are getting from animal protein if you're eating it yeah. and it's like it's basically like you're paying 50 dollars for a can of like crystal light that makes your water taste better right like Again, I get it. I get the call to like, mm-hmm. ooh, the sexy little thing over here is going to fix it. But it just it just doesn't, you know? Right. Yeah. I love it. So you mentioned the, uh, good night's sleep. I'm curious to know, like, what's your like top tip to get a great night's sleep? <sighs> I don't know. I got a 10-month-old. <laughs> Not have a 10-month-old. Yeah, don't have tip. a 10-month-old. <laughs> yeah. That's a really tough one for me because I do, that's probably like the lifestyle thing that I struggle the most with. I mean, obviously it's trying to avoid things that are going to stimulate you later in the evening because I'm a light sleeper. I do have a hard time falling asleep. So things like looking at screens late at night, even doing like a workout. Like I know a lot of people who have very busy lives and stuff. And the only time they can get their workout in is like 7.30 after the kids are asleep or whatever, but trying to avoid things that are highly stimulating, like dinner and beyond. So maybe like, don't read the news. Don't do like a crazy (laughs) intense workout. Um, You know, don't watch like the scary true crime documentary that's going to give you nightmares, like right before bed, like just trying to, and this for me is like a multi-hour process at night. Like I have to calm the lights, calm my body, do whatever it takes to just bring down the, yeah, your system, just kind of calm it down a little bit. Yeah. 
That's what I would say. I love it. So opposite question, kind of opposite on that circadian rhythm. What's your favorite way to increase your energy levels? If you're, if you, or if you have a client, you know, somebody that's struggling with a little lull in energy, what's your best pick me up tip? Eat more protein, lift weights, lift love weights. That. And again, you know, at the top of the call, you were saying we, we have to give people suggestions for things they're actually going to do, which is, I used to be a little bit, again, more black and white where I'm like, Plotty sucks, like only lift weights. And now I recognize that there is a place for all of these things. I did a lot of yoga when I was pregnant because I wasn't doing anything more high impact, right? And I started to really gain more of an appreciation for all the different ways we can be strong. However, weight bearing exercise, that can even be lunges and pushups. It can be sprinting up a hill or it can be lifting weights. There are so many different ways you can do that. If you don't like the idea of like the meathead going into the gym with a barbell, there are still many other ways you can lift weights, but weight bearing exercise that increases the strength of your bones that adds more muscle to healthy functioning muscle to your body is going to give you more energy as well as like help with longevity, minimize chance of injury, sarcopenia, osteoporosis, all these things that we deal with as we get older. It's never a bad idea to try to be strong. Love it. Great tips. Do you know what Myers-Briggs personality type or an, or Enneagram? I'm oh my curious. God. I've done both of these. Okay. Myers-Briggs, I'm an INTJ which is basically like me and Genghis Khan. Like there's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of women. I think the famous woman was like Margaret Thatcher or something. Don't okay. hold it against me. Um, All the Tories out there will be cheering. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So INTJ, can't help it. It's just who I am. Yeah, right. The Enneagram, I forget, but I think I was like a mix of a couple. I think I was like three and five or something. I don't really remember. I like okay. doing them, but then I just like immediately forget what it means. Okay, well, we did circle back around this next time. I'm a five. I'm a five wing four. Okay, okay. So, so I think I'm maybe like, I was like five and then whatever three was the other one. Okay, maybe the second one. You could be a wing to the adjacent numbers, but I'm curious. Okay. I want to hear it. Circle back. I will. Okay. When you come back on, you can <laughs> reveal <laughs> the actual. But I love I'd it. love to hear. I'd love for anybody to reach out to me if you're another female INTJ, because I, I do remember that one because I did it in university and we all went out into different groups of which one we were. And there was like three of us over there, like, like all intense. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> this is telling me something. I don't know. Anyway. I'm, I think I'm, I don't know my Myers-Briggs as well. I think I go back and forth every time I do the test. I'm an INFJ, as I think is what I am. Okay. Okay. Or an INFP, I think is the last letter. Pretty close. I don't know it as well as the Enneagram. Yeah. We're pretty close. Yeah. I wouldn't like have guessed you were an introvert. I would have yeah. guessed you were more extroverted. It's one of those things, I think, again, I'm like the subset of people that's like, you know, I'll toot my own horn. I think I'm good with people. I really do. I think I, and I, I'm not afraid to like speak in front of people. I think for me, it's just that it, for me to really get a lot out of it and to really enjoy it and fill my cup being extroverted, it has to be such a like specific, mm -hmm. I don't know, group of people or reason, you know, yep. like if I go out to dinner, I either want it to be like just me and you yes. or like, you know, enough that you can have like a meaningful conversation. That's like exactly how I feel. Those parties with like 10 people and everyone's just oh. yelling. Oh my gosh. I, I start to shut down. I want a weighted blanket and some CBD that's exactly. just leaving. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Those are good nighttime tips, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. like, it's selective, selective extroversion. It's like for yeah. a couple specific 
reasons or experiences, I can crush it. But the rest of the time, like, let me be at home alone, having like yeah. an in-depth conversation with a single person. hundred percent. I yeah. love people, but like too much overload. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And I need to re refuel for sure. Yeah. yeah. So last question, do you ever go to Starbucks or are you sort of a, a wellness elitist? I know you're not, but do you ever go to Starbucks? And if so, what's your drink order? I love that question. It's so funny. Again, I can't answer a question in like two words. I, it's impossible. I personally think Starbucks is terrible. However, I do go there sometimes. It's going to be my last option. Like if there's a local coffee shop, I will 100% go there every time before Starbucks. But if you're at the airport and you need your caffeine, guess what? It's happening. So when I go, I will just get a cold brew. I'm an iced coffee year round psycho. I have to drink. <laughs> I live in a place, you live in a place that's yes. cold. I live in a place that is like minus 35 in January and I will still order a cold brew. It's just, <laughs> that's how I roll. You in the frozen North just with your iced coffee. Just with my I iced just... coffee. People looking at me like I'm a serial killer. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's what I like. It's what I like. Oh my gosh. So do, cold brew and then they have the nitro. Nitro? Uh, they have iced coffee and then the cold brew. What, what You like the cold brew, not the iced coffee. Yes. Yeah, so for any of you out there who are like willing to give iced coffee a try, if you haven't yet, cold brew is better because the way they, the way it's made, it's just sort of like a slower process. It's less acidic. And so I find a lot of like iced coffee or bad coffee is very bitter and acidic. And cold brew has a very smooth, almost like creamy taste. Like you don't, if you're somebody who likes to have your coffee like creamy and sweet, you won't need to like add sugar or whatever. It just has like a rounder, creamier flavor. Nitro, like nitrogen infused cold brew, that's just, I guess, how they, how they prepare it. I don't know the whole process for whatever reason, that makes me climb completely out of my skin. So if you are iffy on the caffeine, like if you can only have like a little bit, maybe steer clear of the nitro, you might freak out. I definitely You may do. actually be a comma serial killer. <laughs> yes, <after>. exactly. <laughs> you may lose it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I can attest to that. I, I had the nitro before and I'm like, what the heck? Why am I having this? a panic attack? Oh no, it's <laughs> yeah. just the coffee. Yeah. 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 Dilute the crap out of that. If you yes. have it, yes. add some water. I said that was my last question, but I do have one more question that I just can't let, I have to ask it is okay. what's a book that you've read in the past year? It could be fiction, nonfiction. That's really inspired you. You have a 10 month old, so it may be like good night moon, but it's <laughs> like, <laughs> I threw out good night moon because you know, what was a really good piece of advice that a parent gave me. He said, if you don't like a kid's book, Get rid of it because when they're young, you get to choose what you read. And if they like it and you don't like it, you're screwed. So I read Goodnight Moon <laughs> once and realized how weird it was. And I was like, I'm not reading this a million times. I threw it out. <laughs> so that's some advice. Um, that's a good advice. And you're right. I have been reading a lot less, but I will say a good fiction book that I recommend everyone read. I wouldn't exactly call it inspiring, but it is incredibly thought provoking and a really well written book. It's called The Power. And I believe the author's name is Naomi Alderman. I think maybe double check that. It's a okay. very like dystopian future, possible alternate future book that is, it's quite kind of controversial and political. And it's very, very, very interesting. I won't say any more than that, but if you like fiction and you want to like have your mind blown, read the book, The Power. So good. We will put it in the show notes. I have to read it now. So it good. sounds right up my alley for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm reading the <laughs> biography of King George III is called, I think, The Last King of America right now. And it's mm. very dense, but very good. 
sometimes dense is good. I mean, I'm yeah. also, cause I go through podcasts like nobody's business and I was just kind of getting a bit burnt out. So I'm listening to a book on tape, the only book that I, on tape, you know what I mean? Podcast. <laughs> I'm old. I was born in the eighties. Yeah, me too. The only book that I've ever tried to read that I could not get through, Moby Dick, talk about dense. So I'm listening to it in podcast form because I love that. what else are you going to do when you're holding a baby for two hours, trying to get him to go to sleep? Yeah. Get through Moby Dick finally. It's, so. it's not going to be a good night moon audio book. That's for dang Absolutely sure. not. No. Nope. <laughs> Ashley Van Houten, this has been a great conversation. <laughs> I'm so glad that I knew how to pronounce your last name. I feel like it, uh, the friendship genius. is salvaged. Yep. You're a sign of genius if you can pronounce that name right on the first try. So what's the origin you. of What's the origin of it? Is it it's Dutch. It's Dutch, yeah. but unfortunately, whenever I like meet other Dutch people and they're like, oh, Van Houten, and then they're like always a foot taller than me and they can always speak Dutch. And I'm like, I'm not that Dutch. It's really name only, <laughs> but I, it's a cool name. I grew up like being kind of embarrassed of it because no one could pronounce it. And I grew yeah. up on the East Coast of Canada and everybody's name was like McIsaac or McDonald, like very yeah. Scottish, Scotch and Irish, Irish names. Yeah. And I've kind of grown into it now. So I'm a fan now, but I love it. It's strong. It's very Viking. Thank you. I appreciate it. that. It works like well it. with the uh, organ meat motif. There you go. There you go. <laughs> on brand. <laughs> very on brand. Thank you, parents and ancestors. <laughs> yeah. All right, my friend. Appreciate you. Well, thank you so much. At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. Now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. Today's question is from Taryn. Taryn asks, You've mentioned Holy Main on the podcast before, but what is it? Thanks for the question, Taryn. So Holy Main is a supplement formula that I formulated with Agent Natura, which is a natural beauty wellness line. So their only ingestibles was the first one was Holy Youth, and this next one is Holy Main. And I developed both of those. So any internal supplements I developed for them. Holy Main has a cult following. People freaking love Holy Main. It is a blend of the world's purest marine collagen from wild-caught fish, as well as pearl powder. Pearl powder has been used in traditional Chinese medicine, TCM, for thousands of years. It's mineral-rich, has adaptogenic qualities as well, supporting our body's adaptation to stress, as well as it's just very, again, mineral-rich for supporting our hair, our skin, our nails, as well as the collagen. So the synergistic nutrient-dense benefits of both the pearl powder and the wild-caught marine collagen is insane as far as its effect on your hair and your skin and your nails. So the before and after pictures that I'm seeing on social media, so I'm, you know, you know, I'm a clinician first and foremost, I see patients. So I get to see it internally in the clinic when I'm consulting patients online, but that's, I'm clinically monitoring them, managing them on part of their case. It is a whole different ballgame when you see somebody that I've never met before that on social media, they're showing us the before and after of just bringing in this one thing into their routine, into their wellness routine. So you just take a scoop of it and you could put it in water, you could put it in smoothies, you could put it in teas, coffees. It's basically tasteless. 
And especially if you put it in smoothies and teas or coffees, you're not going to taste it. And it blends right up. And it's just a great way to, if you're struggling with hair loss, brittle hair, uh, if you're struggling with um, any inflammatory skin problem, or if you're dealing with weak nails, it's a great way to support all of those systems of the body. And right now uh, at Air One in Los Angeles, if you're in the LA area, Air One is a very famous health food store. They actually have smoothies using Holy Main in it. It's called the Holy Main Smoothie. It has peanut butter, cacao nibs, coconut cream. It's like basically a, a peanut butter chocolate smoothie. It tastes so good. And I think it's not official yet, but I think they're going to make it a forever thing at Air One, at least indefinitely. So yeah, if you live in the LA area, you can see it. You can get your own bag of Holy Main there. You can get the smoothie. If you're around the world, you can, I, we have it at drwillcole.com. Just go over to the shop and we have Holy Main there for you. Yeah, so that's what Holy Main is. And that's why I keep talking about it because it's freaking amazing. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back every Monday and Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.